welcome to the 10th episode of People Kind Politics. I am Matthew. And I'm Taylor. Yes, right. So this week we're doing something a little bit different. Uh, I'm lazy. Taylor's even lazier. So we decided wow. instead of doing news stories, uh, we're just going to talk freestyle. It's our 10th episode. I know that's not a big milestone. Uh, longer than I thought we would do this for, but... Hell I yeah, just, man. Yeah. Let's celebrate. Party time. Let's fucking do it. Yeah, so what we're going to do is we're going to answer questions in our subreddit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, populated with thousands of listeners who that's, have been vying for this episode to come out. That's right. That's right. Thousands of episodes, thousands of questions. No, not really. We're just going to be talking just about just stuff, you know, just kind of a freestyle conversation. We've never done this before. So it could be our worst episode, could be our best episode. We will have to see, and you will too. Let's do it. Taylor, why on earth did we do a podcast? Good question. I'm still asking myself to this day. <laughs> no, I mean, speaking for myself, I mean, you're the one who came to me with the idea of the podcast, right? That's how this started. Or no, I mean, I guess we when we're talking, talking, yeah, well, when we're both talking just amongst each other as friends, mm -hmm. you know, those are pretty easy conversations to have and generally unending because yeah. we both have opinions um, about things we don't know about. So it made sense to me, you know? Yeah, we would like have these like three hour long conversations. We live in different cities now, but we used to live in the same city. And on the phone, we would just have these, and in person too, these long, drawn out, maybe boring and tedious conversations on politics, mostly that, <laughs> like, yeah, when we weren't talking that. about, like, normal shit that people talk about, we would get into these long conversations. And so, you know, we thought, why not do a podcast, since that's what apparently a leftist podcast is, it's just talking, if you look out at the landscape. I mean, where's the lie? But we kind of structured ours a little bit different because I didn't really feel comfortable just talking. And uh, and maybe it's boring to have a, a structure, but I thought it'd be kind of fun to do. Uh, it would kind of guide us, shape the conversation. Because some podcasts I listen to and people just like go on and on and on. And it's it's really, really boring. Uh, I guess it really depends on the hosts, uh, how good they are talking and their chemistry. But sometimes that just isn't there. And so a structure can help. Yeah, I mean, I certainly hope it's helped. I think it helps with, uh, you know, preparation and stuff like that and just knowing what we're going to... I mean, obviously, people prepare when they're just coming in more casually, too. But to know, okay, this week we're talking about news and this week we're talking for two hours about Justin Trudeau or whatever it may <laughs> be is uh, pretty handy and hopefully, you know, gives people a specific thing to look forward to every week. Yeah, you know, like right right now, obviously, our audience is uh, a small to non-existent. And that's probably one of the things that's hardest about doing a podcast like this, because I know when I've discovered podcasts or whatever YouTube channels, shows, they're usually already in the prime, like prime of their lives. Like they have a, an established audience. They've kind of figured out how to edit, how to talk, how to do these things. And so it's really good to get into. If you're just listening to this now, this is the ground floor, baby. Uh, there's only going up from here, uh, but it's still pretty <laughs> rough, I'd say. I, I'd say, especially with editing, I still don't really know what I'm doing. It's just kind of a 
kind of mad honestly just like pushing dials and buttons here and there and hoping we don't sound too shitty yeah i mean matthew's been doing all of the editing so i'm kind of just uh sitting back living my best life over here but you know i guess it's uh, about time for me to contribute something mm-hmm. i don't know i think for certainly for a brand new podcast of a bunch of amateurs with no audio engineering experience i think it sounds pretty good and i bought a fucking microphone so what more do you want from me man i guess one of the things that i want to talk about a little bit was just having so i just finished a book right and uh it's about democracy in canada and -hmm. it's kind of written by this old like codger you know like yeah he does a whole chapter on social media and how social media creates these well, people like us, you can just spout whatever we want <laughs> into the void. Aha. We he, have a platform now. Yeah. Eat it. And he, he was like opining the the, the, the death, the, the, the dying off of uh, old media and saying like how what? we're ruining democracy because we're spreading not us specifically, didn't call us out. Um, this book was written two years <laughs> they ago. Cited, so. No, they cited us specifically. <laughs> this yeah. episode two of People Kind Politics is exactly what's wrong with Canada today. Yeah, we are what's wrong with Canada. So I, I found it interesting, I, and I've hear, heard this quite a few times before, like the dangers of um, you know, unregulated media creation in which just about anyone can hop on a mic and start spouting stuff. Uh, I just wonder if you have any thoughts on that, on that kind of uh, concern from especially older people. <laughs> right. Uh, I would say I'm probably more concerned about what you may call the regulated media that we currently have and how, you know, unless you're actually looking at an independent news source, everything is going to have a slant one way or the other, right? Even mm-hmm. the CBC. You know, I hate no. to say it. No. <laughs> no? No? They're objective. They're true in everything they say. All right. You know what? I take it all back. This <laughs> man is completely right. No, I mean, mm, I, the internet in general, I think there's a lot of interesting things it's done for the world and how we communicate to each other and get information. It's definitely a lot easier. I don't think it's a bad thing, but it does introduce new problems and also new good things. Like, being able to talk to people wherever. I think that's pretty cool. Like, did he say specifically, like, aside from citing us and telling people (laughs) not to listen to us? Like, is he, because I guess this is about democracy. How is he saying this harms democracy? Or was he saying that? Well, it's it's the classic argument, you know, they, he, he cites, you know, of course, the, the fake news. That was the big thing a couple years back. Um, conspiracy theories, you know. And then the um, the thing that people get really worked up about and like people fall, like how, how people fall into silos or echo chambers and they only hear what they want to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, my big issue with that is you are already in an echo chamber if you live in a country. That sounds a yeah. little too edgy for what I was intending. But um, <laughs> like, no, like, I agree. You know, if you if you only listen to, you know, mainstream media, you will be getting a narrative that is certainly not always objective. I mean, there's definitely rigors that go to reporting and whatnot, so it's not untrustworthy. I'm not against, mm-hmm. you know, old media, although I do find a lot of it problematic. But 
I, I don't I don't think that the concerns for new media are not the same concerns that could be had for old media. It's just um, it, it does sometimes feel like that little bit of like, oh, it's new, so it's bad and it's scary. And mm-hmm. um, and there are good examples of when, you know, like QAnon, for example, like I don't think QAnon could have existed without social media. So, yeah, it's not all good, but I'd rather have good and bad than just, you know, the CBC people or, you know, CNN in America and all that stuff. Just mm-hmm. telling me what to think. Yeah, don't I agree. Don't tell me what to think. <laughs> yeah, don't tell me what to think. Yeah, I pretty much agree. Like, that's the thing to say that the risk of, you know, an echo chamber or whatever. I wouldn't even say it's an echo chamber if you aren't engaged in, you know, a specific. It's just that. Yeah, like you said, you're. we live in a society I did and not di- say that. <laughs> uh, direct quote from Matthew. We we live in a society. Uh, May. We live in May a 25th, society. Uh, 2021. Yeah, but I mean, mm-hmm. certainly the popular old media, it's, yeah, it all serves a purpose. It all has its own narrative to push. And in general, the more sources, the better. I mean, I could talk about it a lot. I think with regards to social media, there's a lot of interesting things to say about, for example, Facebook specifically and their role in like foreign elections and shit. Like if you look it up, it's pretty fucked up, man. Like what Mm. the fuck? And I don't have all of the information in front of me, but if anyone's curious, just look up all the horrible things that Zuckerberg has done and contributed to. But uh, yeah, conspiracy theories are bad, but they've always been around, but certainly the internet makes them easier to spread, to be fair. Yeah, no, definitely easier to spread. However, I, I think like if if I hadn't um listened to podcasts that were more of a, a leftist kind, shall we say, you know, I wouldn't be exposed to the ideas that I would receive maybe in a book or in a you know a, an old media source like the CBC or global whatever like those places like you wouldn't get that narrative really ever mm-hmm. because most of these places you know they they say they're objective right but they're they're largely centrist and of course with new media you have the opportunity for very far right uh, well Nazi you know publications to spring up but you also have communist uh (laughs) publications to spring up and of course in books you had communist uh ideas and you know thought but that wasn't always the most accessible thing in the world if you ever tried to read neo-marxist literature like all academics um it's full of obfuscation maybe not purposeful but it's not very accessible Mm -hmm. it's downright infuriating like post-colonial post-colonialism is the worst for this shit like the way they write i don't think they're talking about that complicated of subjects but just the words they fuck (laughs) fucking use it's like we never left the 17th century and no one understands that you don't have to put uh, like a million clauses in your sentence you know just i don't know that yeah academic academic writing is just uh yeah that's another subject to talk about maybe i don't know yeah, I mean, I don't know as much because I don't know how to read, but hey, go off. That's right. Yeah, that's right, folks. Heard it here first. Yeah, no, accessibility is good. And I feel like we're speaking about it kind of vaguely, but 
just to kind of name it, what is a society? I mean, much of what we know and certainly what we know from popular media, from our education, from how we're raised, you know, it's all under this umbrella, especially specifically in Canada of, you know, a settler colonial capitalist state, right? And that comes through in everything you learn if you don't step outside of those given sources. So the more mm-hmm. leftist stuff that is accessible, hey, I'm all for it. Yeah, so, you know, his concerns, you know, this writer's concerns about new media creating these, you know, you know, allowing allowing the common folk, uh, the demos to just, you know, grab up the mic and start talking. Um, it's not a fear that I have. And I think that there are ways that um, people like reputations are built. Like if we kept saying like, oh, yeah, like Justin Trudeau was born without a penis. Um, <laughs> eventually someone would say, no, that's not true. He actually does have one. What? And uh, during a job interview, he showed it to me. Oh, and, no. Okay. Again, <laughs> this Justin Trudeau. No, he's a sexual assaulter. Okay, guys. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, Okay. Alleged. Alleged. Yeah. I just don't want to ever let people forget that. True. Fair. Fair. But, you know, if we just make up some bullshit about people and stuff and just lie and just like come up with facts like out of our ass, like I, I feel like um, well, actually we'll probably do pretty well. <laughs> that would probably <laughs> <laughs> that might help, actually. Yeah. That's what we're here to do, really. Nothing but non-facts. Got them. Yeah, yeah. So I want to talk about being problematic. Taylor, how do you feel about being problematic? And, and what would you say being problematic is in the podcasting world? Well, as the resident uh, problematic host, uh, well, first of all, I haven't really heard the term problematic used in quite some time, like the whole problematic fave thing. Uh, to me, problematic always just meant there's uh, some problems, you know? It could be uh, slipping up and saying the N-word. It could be, I don't Which know. Which is usually your problem, right? <laughs> Cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> it could be, like, sexual assault. Who can say? It's a pretty vague term to me. And again, I don't see it used super often. And in terms of the podcasting world i only listen to pure well-intentioned uh you know good people or at least Mm -hmm. so i think but what is problematic content also we didn't really define it ever (laughs) right i feel like i think that's where the mm -hmm. term kind of gets muddy for me because again problematic can mean like somebody slipped up and made a dumb mistake or Somebody's a serial child abuser, and <laughs> it's like I don't know. Part well, of some fucking Well, that's not problematic. Band. That's criminal. Well, then what is it? Hmm? What? Okay, so the so the joke I made about Justin Trudeau, you yeah. know, I'm joking about you know a a, a sexual harassment scenario mm-hmm. in which Justin Trudeau, you know, does something bad. Mm-hmm. Is that okay? Would you... Oh, is that a problematic joke? Is that a problematic joke? And what do you think about problematic jokes? Because I feel like we've made, at least I've made, some some things that I'm sure <laughs> some people will take issue with. I'm not doing it to be a provocateur or whatever. I just, I, I, I just, I, I'm an idiot and I just say stupid things I think are funny. And yeah. uh, I don't know. 
don't know, but you're you're a bit, you're from the Tumblr era. Like you came from That's Tumblr. That's true. I did. I was on Birthed Tumblr in its prime time. You know, 2010, 2011. I was there. I saw yeah. it all. Uh, yeah. Well, again, not really with going into the definition of what problematic is. And when we have these conversations, the issue I have is that it is so vague. And I know you prefaced this before we started recording, but it's still true because I. Because there's no definitive answer unless you have the full context. And then, obviously, I can say, yeah, I'm totally right in saying this. But generally speaking, uh, like talk about rape jokes, for example. I think they're bad. Mm -hmm. I don't really think they're funny. I don't think you should make them. If you want to make them, you should do it with a group of people who you know, who you know are comfortable with that kind of joke. Not on the bus where... You're sitting next to some woman you don't know who was sexually assaulted, but you don't know. You know what I mean? It's just like, it doesn't take much to not be problematic and to not say shitty things. And even if you're not doing it to like spark outrage or it's just a funny thing you thought about, you still have to think about how it impacts other people if you're somebody who has compassion and empathy for other human beings, which I'm saying now so that anything you disagree with is implying that you don't have those things, Matthew. <laughs> that I'm a sociopath. I just, yes, yeah. I set you up to fail. You're welcome. Well, the reason why you didn't set me up to fail, you know, is because I would, I would actually agree in talking with people that, because I don't, I don't think there's anything inherently morally wrong about a rape joke or about a problematic thing. I think for me, the, the, the main determinant if I am going to make a joke like that, which I don't normally do, because it's not like the funniest thing to joke about, uh, there are some good jokes out there, I'm sure, that are funny. But I would I would use it dependent on who I'm around and who I'm with, because for me, the real moral dimension comes from who hears. Yeah. Not not to say like, yeah, only if you're cool and will I. Uh say slurs or (laughs) but you know but like the effect of the words is more important than the words themselves and the thoughts behind them it's their consequences yes i'm a consequentialist i guess (laughs) ethically speaking i don't know yeah no generally i would agree and yeah i think that problem quote unquote problematic jokes are also very often very easy jokes to make and often not very smart i'm not saying that's always the case i think there's definitely some funny jokes out there that are also kind of like you know but if i'm thinking about Mm -hmm. who would say a problematic joke at like a party it's usually just something so basic I can't think. I feel like there's so many like generic rape jokes too, where it's like, what, like, oh, it's not rape if she, de- <laughs> I don't know if she doesn't say no, but it's like literally is that's that the, just is that the joke? <laughs> I've heard a joke very similar. I can't remember it now because I don't really, you know, hang out with people who say those kinds of things. But you know, it's just I do prefer. I feel like to punch up also usually takes a bit more thought. Um, and you can still joke about problematic things. Just don't, you know, make fun of the people. Don't make fun of, like, racialized people or whatever. I don't know. Just, like, put some thought into it. And, yeah, if you're going to be problematic, TM, uh, keep it behind doors. And, yeah, in terms of, like, whether it's morally right or wrong, eh, I mean, I just, for me, I don't really 
get it. Eh, like, especially rape jokes. I mean, I'm just using that as an example because I feel like it's mm-hmm. um, something that people bring up a lot and it's there's been a lot of conversations around it. And as somebody like with personal experience, either, well, I shouldn't say either, like I've had personal experience <laughs> either with this or that. No, I've had personal experience with I've sexual... been on both sides of this. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 that's not what I meant. Like I've had experience <laughs> Sorry, with sexual assault and sexual harassment and in general just disgusting behavior um, from grown men. It makes me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to make a joke like that, especially with people you don't know, it definitely makes me question like just what you think is okay and like why why do you think that's funny? I think if somebody makes a problematic joke and you're not okay with it, the best approach is to always just be like, oh, I don't get it. Can you explain it? And usually they'll get really uncomfortable because they know mm. they were just doing it to be edgy or whatever. So that's my tip for you. Well, I don't need tips. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, that's not what this is about. Um, no, you know, I, I feel like a lot of um, edgy jokes can be lazy, but I, I feel like most jokes are lazy. Yeah. All the jokes I say are lazy for sure. True. Like, Definitely true. So true. <laughs> yeah. And like, I don't know. I, I think that... Uh, there, there is an interesting place to kind of critique kind of where a joke is coming from, why it's actually funny. But I, I'm, I'm a bit more of a uh, piece of shit because I, I do think that funniness, depending on who you're talking with, does trump kind of the ethics of a joke. I think that, well, my reasoning is, you know, I, I think the, the moral consequence of a joke, um, aside from who's listening to it is uh, minimal to zero. I, I don't think there's a consequence of saying a joke that has uh, dubious or just bad morals or ethics behind it. Um, mm. Again, dep- like, what do you mean? The main, main concern is who you say it to. Well, I'm saying like, what is, the, what is the actual moral cost of saying a problematic joke? Like what is, what is actually happening? Like, what, like what's the issue aside from make, uh, aside from, you know, Hurting someone, I guess. <laughs> well, isn't hurting someone reason enough? I mean, well, that's I'm what not I'm sure. saying. Okay. Well, that, and I feel like that's why I say, like, when you're talking to people, like, you have to be concerned about who you're talking mm-hmm. to. Yeah. But aside from that, like, the joke itself, and I feel like people get, um, I feel like people distance and isolate the joke itself as this moral situation when it's really mostly dependent on who's listening. That sounds yeah. like a kind of a dumb thing to say, but I really think people do this. Yeah, uh, but like, do you have an example of when people have done that? Because I'm thinking the only time we have conversations about these kinds of jokes are when it happens in like a public setting or a comedy show or like a teacher says it or something. You know what I mean? So the only time we really think about these things is when they do harm other people. Well, I guess, yeah, there's... Some people well, you would, who would have say, to hear them to to say about it, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, like, I don't really. But I think I'm, I don't get what you're getting at here. Yeah, maybe I'm not being clear. I, I just think that people think there's an inherent yeah. immorality uh. to saying a problematic joke, and that it it somehow is a um a reflection of your character or the way that you think, and that's not necessarily untrue, mm. but it's not always true. 
I think a very moral and good person can say a, a colorful joke mm. or a, what's it called? A off, off color joke, right? And it doesn't impugn their character or, or, or speak about how they think about the world. They just thought that that particular sentiment was funny. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But. Yeah. Well, again, I mean, yeah, I don't want to say everyone who's made a joke ever is morally a bad person and should feel bad. But I think the question of, okay, why is it funny is worth asking. And, you know, who is who's the butt of the joke in this context? Uh, I don't know. It's difficult to top, talk about without specific examples, as always. I mean, I would agree. I don't agree with that because I think you can talk about these things conceptually and not, I don't know, I don't really have to get as micro as you do. I can I can think about these things just on a general level, right? I don't mm-hmm. think that's too hard. Yeah, I'm sorry. My brain is just too small. I can't comprehend the levels. No, <laughs> <laughs> no but I, I just like in the abstract, I think you can talk about these things without bringing in examples. I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah. No? But, yeah. But when we're talking about this, I mean, you acknowledged as well that the main harm of these jokes is the material harm, discomfort, whatever that they cause people. So to think about that in the abstract is kind of difficult to me. Mm, But yeah, generally, I mean, I'm again, I'm not going to say literally anyone who has ever made a dark humor joke because I make those jokes too, for sure. And sometimes they're funny, you know, doesn't make you an inherently bad person. I would agree with that. But I think sometimes it also does. <laughs> but it's not the joke that makes you a bad person. You were probably already a bad person and you find this specific joke funny because of that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I, again, yeah, I think. Yeah, I guess I guess I feel like your point about not having examples. I think the problem with not having examples is that you do run the risk of just kind of saying nothing, which maybe yeah. is our whole podcast. But no, that's how you get them. So the greater concern, I think, because we do this podcast, right? And there are definitely jokes that pop into my mind that I do not say (laughs) or that in the editing I look over and I'm like, yeah, that's going to go. That's going to go. Do you do you ever feel when you're talking on this microphone? I know we don't have a big listener base. We might later on. Who knows? Who can say? Like, do you ever feel that kind of not nervousness, but just care with what you with with what you're saying? Hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, I mean, I would be surprised if anyone, well, not anyone, that's not true. But in general, yeah, I wouldn't say I'm careful of what I say, not at all, but more so, yeah, like, (laughs) I'm on this podcast, I'm not talking on this podcast like I would be to you if, well, most, listen, what was the question? Ask me again, I got off track. Well, just it's just like when you're talking on this microphone, like how careful are you? Like, right, do you, right. Yeah, yeah. Mm, no, I, th- I mean, we we've recorded together. We're on our tenth episode. I think I've made some jokes where I'm like, oh, oh cut that shit out, you know. <laughs> but in general, like speaking for myself, I'm not a huge joke cracker. Um, I'm more you like you are a cracker, though. That's true. I'm I'm a pretty uh white crap i don't know i'm very white no i'm not that careful when recording i mean of course i'm mindful of what i'm saying obviously because i know people are gonna listen to it and when we think about um 
the people we're talking to. I don't know who's listening to this, so I'm not just going to fucking go off in any direction. Uh, yeah. You know, and I'm not overly concerned about being quote unquote canceled or whatever. I don't really care if it mm-hmm. <laughs> happens for whatever reason, if you could even say it's possible. I mean, what is canceling? But, you know, it's not really something on my mind or something I think about. I think sometimes like I'll say a dumb joke and be like, ooh, that was probably dumb or I'll be like, hey, cut that out. But aside from that, not really. Yeah, I, I definitely have mixed feelings, um, as always, because, you know, as I said before, I've come from a very conservative place, like when I was a kid growing up, all that good stuff. So I don't really have like, like Taylor has built in like woke detectors. Um, mine were just mm-hmm. like, they're installed maybe like five or four years ago. And so I still have, and I don't, I don't know. I feel like the discourse on this is is fucking annoying, so I don't really want to talk too much about it, but just to <laughs> yeah. say my my sensibilities still do <laughs> veer into, I guess, uh, bad territory, if you want to use the word problematic. bad. Problematic. Yeah, problematic. And I do feel sometimes a level of discomfort with what I say. I know I'm not coming from a bad place. I know you don't think intent matters, but <laughs> um, I think it does. <laughs> you know, this is a very tired conversation. I just find it interesting because it is something that I think about when I'm recording and just being like, hoo-hoo, okay, yeah, don't say that, don't do that. <laughs> Maybe you Not... should just be a good person. Ever consider no, 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 I'm, that? I'm a very good person, thank you very much. <laughs> so, yeah, of course, uh, leave it to our podcast to talk about what uh, everyone and their mom and their dog has talked about already, so. Hell yeah, bro. Well, we're going to get off that subject. Okay, so now that we've stopped beating a dead horse, uh, mm-hmm. any more dead horses to beat, Taylor? Uh, I mean, yes, but should we is the question, and the answer is probably not. I mean, unless okay. you want, if you want to, I mean, we could. We, we could keep keep doing this. I mean, I'm not against it, <laughs> you know? Well, I have a question. What? Okay. Why? Why are you a leftist, Taylor? Why are you on the left spectrum, the left side of the political spectrum, compass, whatever the fuck? (laughs) My God, let's do some political compass tests. Woo. On air, live right now. (laughs) That's pretty good. We have our results. We have our results back. Uh, Taylor is a neo-Nazi. Oh, shit. Fuck. And Matthew is completely in the center cool (laughs) wow somehow that's worse no it's not uh yeah good question are you asking me why i'm a leftist now or why i turned out to be a leftist both something else completely uh yeah i would say i mean my family is definitely i wouldn't even call them liberal i mean my mom didn't really vote my dad isn't a citizen so he couldn't vote my mom doesn't really have opinions, many opinions on politics. Sorry, mom. I don't think she's listening because she's not interested. Uh, uh, Taylor's dad is a uh, either an extraterrestrial <laughs> or an animal. Uh, that's why he doesn't have citizenship. Yeah, confirmed. No, he's just English, which is actually worse. <laughs> which is the... <laughs> Burn, but burning myself, really, because... Uh, yeah, so like in terms of influences... I wouldn't say I really had anybody in my direct family, uh, you know, 
going either way is pretty much not a conversation, basically. For myself, mm-hmm. you know, I was a very uh, kind of fat loser kid. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I made made my way onto the internet, made my way onto Tumblr, and uh, it's all history from there. What can I say? Unless... So Tumblr, Tumblr <laughs> radicalized you is what you're saying. Uh, yeah, honestly, <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say I was radicalized until maybe even like early or last year, really, because what does it mean to be radicalized? I was always not okay with bigots, for example, but that's not really a radical position. It's not a radical position to say, I think gay people are okay, or not just okay, but, you know, deserve the same rights that everyone else has, and I think people should Mm -hmm. be able to use whichever bathroom they need. You know, the social stuff, in my opinion, isn't really where it gets radical. It gets radical once you start looking at the system and being really not okay with it and wondering what you can do instead. And that didn't really happen for real until the pandemic hit, I think, because that's when it was extremely clear just how not okay things were and just how not okay I was with things. And also finishing up my uh, BSW degree. What's that? (laughs) Good question. Social work? That's correct. Yeah, so finishing up my Bachelor of Social Work as well and kind of feeling like, I'll say I never went into social work like, you know, bright-eyed, I'm going to change the world. I'm doing this to make people's lives so much better and I'm going to save them. It was never that for for me. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I went into social work to make millions of dollars a year and finally (laughs) I can say I'm there. (laughs) But uh, no, unfortunately not. But no, more so I was kind of frustrated with how throughout my degree, you know, we would talk about these social and, you know, socioeconomic problems, but not really talk about what to do about them. More so it's just like, this is the system we have. It sucks. Here's what you can do personally to be anti-racist or practice from an anti-oppressive framework. Um but not like, hey, isn't it kind of, I mean, it does say that, you know, that I would say throughout the degree, you know, we acknowledge that, you know, colonialism is bad, but what does it actually mean to address that meaningfully, Mm -hmm. not just in our personal one-on-one work, but to actually change that system? Um, And don't even get me started on capitalism. It's just not a conversation. (laughs) So I was really frustrated. um, And that, I would say, radicalized me. But what about you, Matthew? That's interesting. No, like, I I do feel like this is definitely not a trend necessarily, but you do have more socially conscious people, uh, materially conscious people nowadays because um life kind of sucks life's hard not for everyone of course and to different Mm -hmm. different degrees but you know especially with the pandemic a lot of things are brought into sharp relief as it were you really can see the problems and the fissures in the society that we exist within but i was radicalized at dem hortons um not really it was like my yeah it was my first moment mm -hmm. of right so i'm like working the drive-thru short story here working the drive-thru it's raining. This woman drives through. We don't have the kind of drink she wants. It's like a, a London fog, you know, 
This is Tim Hortons. This is like <laughs> six years ago. She want, bro, she wants a London Fog at Tim Hortons. Do they have that? Get I don't think the they do. fuck out of here. They do now. Okay. They do now. Yeah. Yeah. They do now uh, because of this incident. Uh, so this woman pulls up, you know, and she says like, oh, my London, you guys make London Fogs, huh? And I'm like, no, nah, I'm sorry. And then I make a little joke and I say, if I was more cultured, I can make that London Fog for you. You know, just a little self-depreciating humor if I was more cultured, <laughs> you know. So this woman kind of gives me a bad look. You know, I give her a, a different drink that she orders. She drives off. 20 minutes later, like really fast, um, our manager calls us. So this woman had called, I guess, head office. Head office had called the owner. The owner had called the manager and the manager had called us. And he said, like, I was in some seriously hot water. So apparently this woman heard me say, right, so she thought I'd said, if you if you want that drink, go somewhere more cultured, um, mm. which is not what I said. And so I won't go too much into the story. I have a lot of feelings on this story. But essentially, this gets me in some really hot water because I guess I insulted this woman. She thought that I had said something that I didn't. I explained my story to the manager when he came in or like on the phone to the supervisor i come in my next shift uh this the assistant manager is like oh matthew you need to come to the office you need to come to the office i go there and i was fired you know it, it was just a minimum wage job but like i was in university you know i needed this job for money and so it was it was a big like stomach punch and i remember i called the owner because i wanted to explain like what had happened because i had no strikes beforehand and he kind of listens to me explain my story and he's like we have to take complaints very seriously here at Tim Hortons. <laughs> um, fuck off. First of all, okay, Tim Hortons gets about uh, 300 complaints a day. More like 20, but we get a lot of complaints because um, people love complaining to fast food workers. And also fast food isn't good, so it's um, a hot mess of complaints. <laughs> and so this moment, like, just realizing the precarity of work, just my... My situation, like my essentially essential worthlessness to this company, which I always kind of knew, but it was made very clear to me and just like how how easily fucked someone could be. Like I had people to fall back on family, so it was fine. You know, it wasn't life or death, but it kind of brought into my mind just the again, it wasn't a big a big event, but it just got me thinking about things. And I was like, huh. That's kind of fucking shitty, man. <laughs> and so right. I tried to launch like a viral campaign against them. And I remember uh, this. I remember scrolling down your Facebook and seeing this. Yeah, I wrote this long screed about how like no one should go to Tim Hortons anymore. Kind of silly, but I was fired up. I was like, this is fucking bullshit, man. Like, mm -hmm. first of all, I didn't say that. Second of all, I get no, like you get nothing. Like if they want you gone, then uh, adios, get out of here. Yeah. So that led me down the road towards thinking of things in a different way. And before I was conservative, you know, I was conservative, right? So then I became like very liberal, very centrist. I was a <laughs> hardcore centrist kind of like, yeah, don't go too far left. Don't go too far right. Stay mm -hmm. in the middle. It's common sense. I was really into that when I was in university. <laughs> common sense. Yeah. Mm, that's funny. Yeah. But of course, um, you know, as you've heard a million other leftists talk about, common sense is not common sense for everyone and it's motivated and I, I like I like okay I'm gonna but like I like what you said about a social worker because I think about therapy right mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I haven't been to a therapist before, so I don't have any firsthand experience. But I think my main issue with therapy is that what it essentially does is it's a band-aid, right? It, it teaches you how to live with the system and the world that we have and teaches you to be okay with it and to accept it and to grow. And I'm not saying therapy is bad. I'm just saying that it doesn't address the real problems that, first of all, created these neuroses and mental mm-hmm. uh, problems that seemingly everyone has nowadays because, you know, this world is, is really bad and very un- very unhealthy for a lot of people. That's a little bit of a tangent. I just wanted to build off what you're saying about social work. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And a good, not a good experience, but, you know, I think it kind of shows how it is our personal experiences which can help us begin to kind of step outside of that mindset sometimes. Um, you know, mm-hmm. everyone's uh, road to leftness and radicalism is different, but Road to Damascus. <laughs> yeah. Certainly uh, experiencing the kind of shittiness firsthand is a pretty quick fire way to get there. And yeah, that's a good point about therapy and really any kind of, I mean, let's talk about charities, NGOs, social workers, therapists, psychotherapists. Yeah, none of it is actually addressing the root problem. Massage therapists. (laughs) Especially massage (laughs) therapists. If you're a massage therapist, fuck you. No, I'm kidding. Um, I'm a social worker, so I don't have any room to speak. But yeah, no, it's all very much working within the system and upholding that system and reinforcing the system, the status quo, how things are, because it just lacks that broader critique and understanding, um, whether that's deliberate or not. I'd say it mostly is, especially when you look at charities and NGOs in particular. I just think they're super problematic, you might say. But uh, yeah, it's pretty fucked up. Yeah, and I don't blame therapists for doing what they do, obviously, because they're trained under a certain curriculum and certain standards and precedents that are set up. So, you know, you know, they, they do the best that they can with what they've got. And I'm sure that there are, you know, people who want to go beyond just the the techniques and, tri- and tricks for living a better, more contented life in this world. Mm-hmm. But the real change doesn't come from that. The real change comes from... Well, I don't know. Taylor's more into organizing organizing <laughs> than I am. I'm I'm just a piece of shit that has a microphone. So <laughs> No, this is the real praxis right here. But yeah, <laughs> I mean the thing with therapy and just you know living in this neoliberal hell in general is that it's all extremely coded and structured to be individualistic and to make us think it's our human nature to be in competition with one another, to always want more and more, and to never be happy, to always need to work and be working towards something to be happy. You know, that's not normal. That's not inherent human nature. That's how we've been hardwired and what we've been told to do for, you know, decades, but it doesn't have to be that way. Um, Yeah. And... You know, we should start considering that, (laughs) how much better it could be, you know? Yeah. And like, I do get genuinely depressed sometimes when I think about just kind of the opportunities that lay before me and what I can possibly do. You know, I have an English degree, 
um, ain't worth shit. Uh, <laughs> uh, I am not very good at uh, networking, as they say, you know, making mm-hmm. uh, friends for money purposes and career purposes. Not good at that. Not really good at selling myself. So, you know, I've worked pretty much every low level job that you can con- that you can conceive of, I think. And when I think about what lies before me, it, it I do feel a, a sense of hopelessness. I'm not a nihilist, but mm-hmm. there is that kind of feeling of just like, what on earth am I going to do? Like, obviously, yeah. the, the main the main thing that like normies, whatever will say is like, well, you just have to find things outside of your work life that make you happy, that make you fulfilled. And sure, but wouldn't it be better if like, uh, like a third of our week wasn't spent in misery? Mm-hmm. You know, I think yeah. that yeah. No, no, I, I was just, I'm just saying, like, yeah, with with jobs and stuff, you know, they're pretty bad, and if you're lucky enough to have a good job, you know, you're still living under a system of uh, alienation and. Your uh, all that other good Marxist shit that I'm gonna pretend <laughs> I know stuff about and just quote, um, um, yeah, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm not good at Marxist theory. You know, I'm not big brained enough for that. Um, <laughs> I did have to write a paper on Marx, and uh, I struggled. Mm. I struggled. I I really found it hard. I don't know. I'm just stupid. <laughs> no, Marx yeah. is not very approachable. Especially to spending where you start, like, mm, let me crack open capital here as my introduction. This will be fun. Um, yeah. It won't. Don't do that. Yeah. Big how did mistake. You, how, how far did you get into capital? Because I remember, I remember, <laughs> I remember telling her because she said she was going to read the whole thing. And I said, "You're not going to make it," and she's like, "Shut the <laughs> fuck up." So Taylor, how far did you make it into capital? Uh, I didn't even finish the first chapter. I read some of it. You know, it's not. It's ju- it's not the most incomprehensible thing I've ever read. It's it does get pretty dense though, and the way he structured it, we're not gonna mm. we're not talking about capital right now. But it's basically it's not what you should start with. Once you're ready, there are a bunch of study guides to be fair. But even with the study guides, I was like mm, not really feeling it. So uh, we put that on pause for now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think all I have to add to that is that. Yeah, that sense of hopelessness you feel is pretty much by design, right? And even for the people who have a job they're pretty happy with or satisfied with, yeah, like you said, why does a third of our week have to be spent in either misery or something we're okay with that we don't have any control over, you know? Like, how Mm -hmm. much control do you really have over the hours you work, uh, how much money you get from your labor, you know? Mm -hmm. It's really not a thing, and when you're poor people like us well hopefully i won't be too poor for much longer but when you're working low-wage work especially it's just yeah it's very defeating you don't have control over it you're easily replaceable in the system you're just doing work that nobody wants to do and also Mm -hmm. there's so many jobs that are completely unnecessary that we have just because of you know how much fucking consumption there is and how much capital needs to be accumulated for the uh ruling class you might say so uh, yeah it's fucked up man yeah i remember my darkest moment last year i was at a subway and the woman behind the counter just looked exhausted and i felt like a piece of shit for ordering a sandwich 
Like, I don't always feel bad when I get fast food, but this day I really did. And she's like making my sandwich. I can hear like the, the, the little phone thing blinking, like the tablet about all these like online orders that she has to make as well. And she's struggling and tiring. And then over the speakers, because they're playing the radio, I hear an ad for Amazon and it's like, <laughs> we want workers who love to work and who care about the job Ew. that they do. Gross. And I want to put a uh, bullet in my head and in her head <laughs> and escape from this misery. It was a very dark moment. Um, yeah. I'm being a bit facetious, of course, but no, it's just pretty. like it kind of snapped me out of it a little bit. I was like, whoa, this sucks. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It was weird. I uh, Disconcerting yeah. moment. It's pretty fucked up, man. Gotta say, I'm not a fan. Yeah, it's uh, very... It's bad. And the thing is, though, it's really, uh, it's difficult because, you know, especially for people who argue for capitalism or one of their points is like, oh, but overall quality of life has gone up or overall poverty has been reduced, though extreme poverty has increased. But let's not talk about that and let's not talk about the measures <laughs> of poverty. But yeah, yeah, even looking at, you know, these capitalist societies Look at the rate of antidepressants, bro. Like, it sucks. <laughs> it sucks. And yeah, like, going back to therapy and stuff like that, you know, these problems don't spawn out of nowhere. Obviously, it's not mm -hmm. completely divorced from biology, but a lot of it is that it's miserable to live in a society where people are not valued, including yourself. Folks, you're not valued. Yeah, so I think it's an interesting conversation to talk about capitalism not in the annoying way that some people do but I, I think one of the things that people really don't like about leftists is that they look around the world that we have now and they say to themselves well like especially if you're in Canada or North America like a western country or in China where like development like capitalism has really you know raised living standards for a lot of people to some mm -hmm. extent of course there's you know, qualifiers for that but you know, I, I don't want to say, you know, capitalism is, you know, has done nothing for people because I think that's disingenuous. But the, the, the question really isn't about the goods and services that, you know, capitalism has created and made like raising quality of life. There are deeper problems mm -hmm. and also there are things to build past capitalism. And I think Marx theorized that capitalism was necessary, a necessary step but that there were steps to take uh, afterwards. So, I don't know. What are your thoughts on uh, capitalism? Uh, capitalism, bad. Yeah, that's my take. <laughs> I mean... All right, folks, that's our episode. <laughs> Thank you for listening today to episode 10 of People Kind Politics. No, I mean... <laughs> yeah, I think there are arguments to, made, to be made or like, you know critiquing capitalism from a smartphone lol or hmm, you critique society yet you're in a society interesting you know that mm, kind of, that kind of yeah, thing right um and i'm not saying that capitalism has not had its improvements in some people's lives but i think especially how it's spread ac across the globe in the past, you know, century, two centuries, and the impact that's had, you know, imperialism, people's relationship to their labor, to money, 
Um, I don't think that's a good thing. Though, yeah, to say it's necessary in order to move forward to a better system, which I would say is um, socialism. And by socialism, I mean a society which is extremely and wholly democratic, you know, where work, production, you know, education, everything about people's lives is directed by people for people. I'm not talking Stalin, USSR here, just to be clear. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, in order to get to that point, we need, and I mean, we're constantly, class struggle is just a thing that is happening. It's not meaning that we're constantly like (laughs) fighting or rioting or striking, but that relationship between somebody who is a worker who only has their work to offer and somebody who is a capitalist who exploits that labor and profits off of it, that is always present in our society. It's just, you know... How are people feeling in society? You know, I feel like, like you said, you look around, it's really not that bad, you know. Even with COVID here, like, people have mostly adjusted or people, the idea is that, you know, this was really frustrating and it sucks, but what can you do? Mm -hmm. And that's frustrating on the outside to see. And I mean, I'm I'm somebody who lives in a society, you know. What? (laughs) Yeah, but in order to really... So yeah, while there's benefits to capitalism, ultimately I think that it's bad. I think it's bad to not have control over much of our lives, Um, capitalism as well as our political system. I think it's bad to have to rely on work to survive. I think it's bad that we have to pay for housing. Um, But in order to move forward from this system, we need to have a large movement of people who are working together democratically in order to even consider an alternative, you know? Right. And it's not necessarily, not sorry, not necessarily that work itself is bad. It's just the way that work functions Mm -hmm. in the way that we are living now. I remember I was working at a production facility, fucking awful. And, you know, the job itself, like you would get some some things done and then you wouldn't really have anything else to do. So they put your ass to work and you have to clean or something because, you know, you can't, you know, you can't be fucking standing there for free. Are you kidding me? Oh, my God. (laughs) Then no. (laughs) But at one point they introduced this is before I was laid off. They introduced these like sheets. So every hour. Or with every task that you did, you had to fill that out so they would know what you were doing while you were working there. And that's not fucking necessary. Mm -hmm. Look, I need, I don't mind, I like, I love my commodities. I love my TV, my laptop, my microphone, my phone. I love that shit. It's good. But they're, the work conditions that are out there are like, like let's not even speak about the uh, unspeakable atrocities that occur in developing nations for the creation of the goods that we regularly consume you know because that's a different topic and a heavier one Mm -hmm. not very funny but just with the jobs that are in canada or america whatever canada you know that that style of that approach to work is extremely oppressive like, why should I have to show you exactly what I'm doing minute by minute? If the task is done, if the work is done, this is a bit more of a micro complaint, I guess. But 
Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's a symptom of, again, you know, you are selling your labor when you go to work. You know, you don't have control or you're not seeing the full value of your labor. That's the way it works. That's how these companies profit. They are paying you a fraction of what you're creating or whatever you're doing, right? Um, and yeah. the more they can squeeze out of you, the better. So yeah, it's like, I can't remember that psychological experiment where it's like, I don't know, they had the boss looking over people's shoulders and they were like more, actually I think, you know, the thing is like when we look at Amazon too, um, there are conditions, for example, where it's like you don't have time to take bathroom breaks because you have to do X amount of packages and X mm -hmm. amount of time, whatever it is. When, I mean, there's so many studies that show when people have shorter work weeks, when people have more breaks, when people have more time to live and also take their time doing their job and not stressing, they perform better. And I think that's one of the big contradictions in capitalism where it's not just about necessarily saving money and cutting corners, though it's very much that. A lot of it feels cruel just to be cruel, and it's very short-sighted in the way yeah. it goes because a lot of the things such as, like, I don't know, if we look at the pandemic response, um, it would have sucked for a lot of people to do, like, a hardcore lockdown at the beginning and, like, actually have COVID zero as a goal and like stick to that you know do everything to follow it but it would save so much money in the future but instead all over canada and all over the world we have these responses where you know you're in and out of lockdown you're closing and opening businesses and it's not efficient but you know it's not really even about that right it's fucked up <laughs> it's really fucked up it doesn't make sense but it does it's just it's i've been thinking about this a lot lately especially with regards to the covid response how obviously it could have been much different but it isn't you know these responses are calculated and whatever mm. will serve the you know most powerful people at that time that is what's prioritized like look at how small businesses have been treated you know you you ask me those are still little capitalists but <laughs> like they got fucked right and it's like they that shouldn't be happening to them under this system but here we are yeah um i think if i talk about covid one more time i'm gonna put a bullet in my brain so i don't <laughs> want to talk about covid understandable but yeah the main point was <laughs> that like there's so many arguments you can logical arguments not just based on you know human value and worth but just on money that you can make about capitalism. And even that is like, it's just not, it's, it's just bad, man. It's bad. They don't care about what they're going to save in the long run or whatever. If they can crank out the most money in the shortest amount of time possible for the richest people, the most powerful people, that is what they'll do. You know, mm -hmm. capitalism is not concerned with um, long-term thinking you know think about the climate crisis right it's like yeah. it's not going to be here forever man but whatever they can do to make the most of it uh, as easily as possible as cheaply as possible for the richest people possible they're going to do it yeah and, and one of the arguments that a lot of capitalists will make is that or people like capitalism will say well think about all the freedom 
uh, or if you want to put it another way, the decadence of choice in in Canada or America, where you can, you know, you have like a bajillion like sushi restaurants, at least in mm. Vancouver. And whenever I think about this, about the decadence of choice, I, I think to my time at Euro Disney when I was living in England, took a trip with a friend to Paris, and we went to Euro Disney. And I don't know if you've been there before, kind of sucks. I hate Disney. People who are adults and love Disney creep me out, don't like them. It's just, it's a little, it skis me out. You know, there's some fun rides, bro. Those fireworks at Disney World, Orlando, Florida. Shout out. I literally teared up. No, this is powerful. (laughs) (laughs) This is just my asshole opinion. (laughs) I'm not, I don't actually hate people who like Disney. It's fine, whatever. It just, there's something about it that just kind of weirds me out. But I did go to Euro Disney, which is the worst Disney, I think, because, yeah, it's not a great, not a great park. (laughs) But what what I was gonna say is like they had restaurants all over the place in the in the park. But what you would see pretty quickly is that every restaurant served the same food. Mm. They had like each restaurant was different, it was differently themed, but literally each menu item on in each restaurant was exactly the same, with very, very small variations, if any at all. And that's kind of what I feel about because like when you, when you say like as a capitalist or as a leftist, you're like, yeah, abolish capitalism. Like then people say like, oh, well, who will work the Tim Hortons job? <laughs> who will work the Starbucks job? And my response is no one because those won't exist anymore and I won't miss them. <laughs> Thank God. I've been waiting <laughs> for this. Yeah. I mean, that's just conjecture on my part. Mm. I don't know if Starbucks can exist in our socialism. No, but- I mean... Like, why have, I mean, I guess people like choosing, but honestly, if I didn't have like 5,000 coffee brands to choose from and just one good one, like, yeah, man, that's good. But it is a genuinely interesting um, conversation to have about who will work difficult jobs, not just like Starbucks or Mm -hmm. fucking whatever, because, yeah, I don't think fast food i mean i don't know okay i don't know but like a garbage man that is an essential job that we need right and who would work that but there's no garbage in our social (laughs) (laughs) exactly problem solved and it's an interesting question that's worth exploring and just in general why would people work in general right that's always a big argument because you're not working for anything necessarily though that's not necessarily true in a um, whole understanding of socialism but in general you know one of the core things of socialism to me is that it's just that you're living in you're living in an actual society in a community with people mm-hmm. who are respected with people who you know um, and you all want your community to look good first of all and there, you, you know what honestly straight up I don't know enough about Marxism to talk about this. I take it all back. <laughs> well, I, I don't I don't think you have to know about theory to talk. Like that's kind of one of the things that annoys yeah. me are kind of the gatekeepers of theory and stuff. And it's mm-hmm. like No, I agree. I agree. Those are the worst I people on the left. <laughs> just like to talk and think out loud. And if I say things that are stupid or wrong, then I'll correct myself later or be corrected. And that's fine. It's that's true. That's I'm not you your I'm not your professor. <laughs> I'm just a guy at the bar beside you talking. Hell yeah, brother. And I mean, if you, I mean, if we ever get a listener base, they can respond to us and say, like, well, actually, <laughs> you know, Marx didn't be, say. <laughs> that'll be when we peak. 
looking yeah. forward to that um, if that ever happens. But yeah, yeah. In general, who will work the difficult jobs is a genuine question. Uh, it's not the easiest question, but yeah, I think people mm-hmm. would end it just who would work jobs in general. Again, in this society, you're not working to survive, right? And I think that shifts the dynamic completely. Um, yeah, and your relationship d- to work. That's the big thing. It's not that it's not that people are lazy. Okay, some people are. I'm definitely lazy a little bit, but like when you're working a job at Tim Hortons or like a janitor, which I did as well, or landscaper, which I've done as well, or telemarker, which I've done as well. the The main issue not it's not so much the work, it's the fact that I'm getting compensated for barely anything. Um, I'm working to survive. There are a bunch of rules and strictures in place to keep me very, you know, controlled. And I don't get to see the profits that the higher-ups do because it's a hierarchy. Every job place. And here's a little thing that I always think. You know, all these fucking conservatives are so scared about tyranny and, like, oppression and, (laughs) you know... Dude, go to work. What do you? What the fuck <laughs> do you think that is? Work is a fiefdom. Work is is so oppressive and controlled and free of any liberty or or freedom, free mm-hmm. of freedom. You know, and, and yet they champion this this structure of hierarchy because they think it's somehow naturally or or ordained. Um, it's not. Just look at history. I mean, look at history beyond Eurocentric history because planet societies didn't have that. I'll, I'll, okay, I will say a hierarchy does seem to be something that we do tend to lean towards, but it doesn't mean that we have to be destined to it. Yeah. Especially the oppressive hierarchies that we currently exist within. Certainly, yeah. I mean, I completely agree. I am anti-hierarchy. No hierarchies in my future, thank you very much. I just think, yeah, wherever that exists, uh, you have... Oppression. You have somebody who does not have an equal say in what's happening, right? And I don't think that's right. I don't think that's what we should aim for. Obviously, you know, a society which is democratically run is a big ask. And I mean really democratically, like people, people running it. Not just like a small party, not a dictator, but like actual people running that shit. Yeah, it's a big, it's a big thing. But I do think it's possible. <laughs> um and in terms of like work and how much it sucks, fucking sucks, man. Like it would be work still has to be done and work would be done and work would be done better, much better. And there would be so many less needless jobs, too, because there's so like, why do we need fucking 50 McDonald's in one city? We don't need that. We don't need any of this. Yeah. <laughs> and like you said, like we don't need 50 coffee brands. We don't need like the market produces so much fucking bullshit make work things like that's what i mean sorry about office jobs and i mean okay i'm not for small government necessarily but like the public sector (laughs) oh my god like (laughs) let there there are a lot of bureaucrats that just sit Mm -hmm. there and watch uh pornhub all day (laughs) and get like 20 dollars a year so god i wish that was me oh absolutely i mean i would i would absolutely abandon all principles to do that (laughs) (laughs) you know you'd be forgiven and that's one of the things that i always hear or that everyone always hears is that when you get older you become more conservative and i think that what that actually means is that when people are older they find more material success and so they're not so motivated to uh to to change the system (laughs) because they benefit from it but yeah 
old people, remember your young days. Remember when you were a young a young man or woman or or neither and just eating ramen for the <laughs> sixth day in a row. Hell yeah. Heating your uh, food on the top of your dryer mm, well. that's not even yours. <laughs> feel like yeah that's that's pretty rock bottom right there yeah no that's we've all been there <laughs> we've all been there yeah j- that's true you know i think generally people the more you benefit from the system the least likely you're going to be to challenge it you know and the older you get hopefully the more comfortable you get but that's not always the case and even if it is the case you know mm-hmm. there's still some uh there's plenty of old communists out there you know they're out there they just you know, I yeah. have a lot of respect, honestly. Like, I can't fucking imagine. <laughs> I mean, I hope I get there myself, but it's like, yeah, it can be pretty defeating for sure. Yeah, and I think the main the main thing that, that has to be combated, not combated, but like the main issue, aside from the obvious ones, which is the system itself and those who are, you know, working within it, not necessarily insidiously, but just, you know, keeping the levers and things running, it's just the general apathy and ignorance of people. That's why we created this podcast. There are tons of leftist podcasts already out there, God knows. But, you know, if we can reach more people, if we can talk to more people in a in one direction. One direction. I think that's good. Sorry, I completely tuned out to everything you said because you said one direction. Like the band. I think they I think they've disbanded, yeah. Yeah, no, no they I did know. like forever ago, I think. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's the true crime of the free market, one direction splitting up. True, very true. Or that's actually the success of the uh, free market because now they're all what? Recording artists? Mm, probably. I don't want to talk about one direction. <laughs> I don't know why. Taylor's just thirsty for one, one direction. direction. I've never really listened to them. I remember that being a thing <laughs> in high school or middle school, probably high school at that point, uh, whenever somebody would yeah. say one direction. One direction, huh? Oh, you said it. I got you. Yeah. Yeah, um, to build off of what you were saying, though, aside from One Direction on apathy and <laughs> ignorance. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of it, a lot of it isn't really willful necessarily, especially with regards to no. ignorance like we talked about. You know, this this is just how this is, we live this way. We live growing up watching CBC and like talking to people like us and our parents and in our crappy educational system and like to be able to step outside of that is extremely difficult and everyone has their different experiences with it but really at some point Mm -hmm. you have to realize yourself that you're not satisfied and seek out an alternative and that can be leftism or fascism but you know you'll you'll pick a side um uh, fascism that's the (laughs) choice you want yeah make sure you make the right choice which is a no not fascism but uh, yeah, it's it can be frustrating for us as leftists. Or alcoholism. <laughs> I know. Sp- speaking from experience, I see. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Ooh, called out. Got him. But yeah, I know it can be frustrating for us as leftists to live in a society where, oh my God, we're just, and I'm saying this facetiously, like surrounded by people who just don't know what's going on and why aren't they doing anything, but... You know, when you're just trying to fucking survive, it's hard to think about, hmm, like, 
what could we do instead of this? And it feels like the hopelessness you talked about earlier. Again, that's designed. (laughs) That's purposeful Mm. to make you feel like it has to be this way. And you're going to get treated like shit and you're going to hate it. But everyone else experiences the same thing. And if they don't, it's because they earned it or because they're just pieces of shit and you should hate them but not hate Mm. the system that created the conditions for them to exist you know right i don't even i wouldn't even necessarily contribute it to malicious intent i I just think that the system is a self-perpetuating one and that these things just Mm self-perpetuate i'm using big words to sound smart okay (laughs) it's working but i i i don't i don't usually ascribe too much intent to what goes on it's yeah it's too tough to talk about in a single sentence or a single soundbite but i i do think a lot of people just do what they do and and concerning ignorance and apathy you know i i talk to a lot of my friends and most of my friends don't give a shit about any of this stuff because they're not necessarily doing very well but they're doing fine and it's just not something like i talked to my roommate and she was like oh like my recent roommate and she was like yeah, I just don't really think about politics because it just has it just has, it just doesn't have to do anything with my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is so interesting because it has literally everything to do with your life. Mm-hmm. We live in a polis, my friends. <laughs> we live in a society. <laughs> it's so hard not to sound cringe. Uh, fucking Reddit, man. Uh, it's good stuff. I mean, this this happened before Reddit, but yeah, it did. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I I definitely was like a huge, you know, quote unquote normie, quote unquote. I always say quote unquote. It's quote unquote. Damn it. Quote unquote normie. And it wasn't I wasn't doing it out of like because I really believed it. It was just like it just made sense to me. And so this is why having a podcast like this is important because we can be like, hey, there's a different way to view things. Maybe we're not the best uh, conveyors of this information, but. We fucking try. We're trying so hard. Please like and subscribe and hit the bell below. Please. Make us millionaires so we can totally abandon all of our leftist <laughs> principles and just, you know. Yeah. Like all the rest of them. <laughs> yeah. I just want to be the Joe Rogan of Canada. Oh, God. Whoa. Yo, man. Is that... You ever tried oh, is that what he uh, sounds sticking like? LSD? <laughs> I haven't watched Yo, Joe man, Rogan. you ever stuck LSD up your asshole? Oh, mm-hmm. I'll take you places. Sounds like I need to watch some Joe Rogan. I haven't actually watched... I actually... I, I don't mind Joe Rogan. Um, You're fucking... I don't listen take to him. Take it fucking back. Take it back no, right I don't now. <laughs> listen to him, but I've listened to a couple episodes. Like when I used to work janitorial work, like the night shift, I, I would have like like eight hours to fill and I had to... Get, get podcasts to listen to and i enjoy his guests more than i enjoy him yeah but he's a good he's a good host you know i don't agree with him but he's a good host mm. and i think hosting is hard talking on a podcast is actually kind of hard <laughs> unless mm. you're just naturally gifted at Bro, it i'm exhausted like us fucking going to bed after this i thought you said you were gonna play minecraft and they don't need to know that called out Come called on, out oh. you're breaking the illusion uh yeah taylor plays mine (laughs) (laughs) taylor who's the real child now yeah i play a baby game but your voice cracked okay yeah it's okay it's normal and human 
I don't know, Taylor, do you have any uh, final thoughts before we conclude this episode? Uh, yeah, no, this episode went better than I thought. That's good. And, uh, you know, folks, just remember, when you're feeling down, uh, capitalism bad, now that'll probably just make you feel worse. Uh, a better future is possible. Be optimistic, even when it's hard. It's out there. You just gotta make it. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Slogans, baby. It's all slogans. Yeah. Yeah. I can't I can't give you any prescriptions because God knows I don't really know what to do. I'm doing a podcast. Taylor's more good about this stuff than I am, but I'm still pretty bad. It's okay. We're all doing our best in different ways, and that's okay. And good. It's a thought that counts. Um <laughs> but yeah, I think I'll close out this episode. Um you can listen to us at people or bleh, no, no, no. Did you say watch? You. I don't actually know where I was going. I I got a bit lost. I, I think <laughs> I, I think you were I don't, saying maybe it right. I didn't actually. I think I was saying it right. Yeah. I just I fall into a bit of a groove, and yeah. then it's like when you're driving on the highway, and then like like thirty minutes pass by, and you don't remember <laughs> any of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's um, okay, Matthew. You're still here. You're grounded. Yeah. Feel your toes. The car's, car's still on the road. Yeah. So yeah, you can find links to listen um, to episodes on peoplekindpolitics.com. Our social media is there as well. We post an episode every Tuesday. And next Tuesday, we uh, we will be talking about Maxime Bernier. Bernier. No, I, didn't, I didn't hear about this. I didn't consent to this. I guess it's Well, who fine. do you want to talk about? No, I guess we can talk about Maxine's fine. He's pretty he's quite the character. He's in the news recently, so let's do it. He's a leader of the people uh You never remember the, the Party fucking of Canada. Name. I can never remember the name because it sounds like ours. Because like yeah, my mind immediately goes mistake. to be all kind of po- <laughs> uh People's Party of Canada. Oh yeah. Uh he's a he's a freak. Uh there's gonna be a lot to talk about for sure. Give me a fun episode. Um this was fun. Kind of weird, but I liked it. And maybe you'll like it too. I hope so. All right. So this, as always, has been your place for Canadian regurgitation. It wasn't this time, though. Not really. No, this was. Uh, this is your place for personal, <laughs> semi-theoretical there you go. regurgitation. Okay, I'm on board. Peace. Thank you.